Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians and Avalanche of Goals for and against as the Montreal Canadiens finally snap their seven-game losing skid. I'll have your recap, highlights, and prospect news inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 804 of Locked On Canadians. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day as well. If you're listening wherever you get your podcasts, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every day and you're watching on YouTube. Also, thank you so much for subscribing. Please make sure you ring the bell to get notified every time we post a brand new episode. I am your host. I am Scott Metla. And uh, before I jump into the content for today, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, Monday night ended up being a little bit more hectic than I had initially planned on. Work, day job, work got in the way of that. So I wasn't able to have the time to put together an episode post-Colorado for all of you are loyal listeners, so thank you so much for bearing with us on that. Inside today's show, we're going to talk about that Avalanche game, the good, the bad, and the more bad. We're going to talk about this Penguins game. We're going to talk about the tank and where they're at, and we've got prospect news, and we've got a prospect expert coming on to record for our Thursday episode. You're not going to want to miss out on that, but let's jump right into things. Monday night, the Montreal Canadiens lose 8-4 to the Colorado Avalanche. They got it as close as 7-4. Still not great. Jake Allen only made nine saves. He got pulled. Samuel Montembeau kind of got hung out to dry here. It was an ugly game all the way around. Josh Anderson hit 20 goals. Nick Suzuki hit 50 points. Dennis Gurionov scored. I believe Chris Weidman scored, but I believe now that that goal has been changed to Jesse Olinen, uh, Mike Matheson scored a great goal. There were small, brief moments wiped out by long periods of crap. And I know that's not the most succinct way to describe it, but it is the most accurate way to describe that game against Colorado. The Canadians did not look good from the hop. Got scored on early, got scored on, got scored on, got scored on. They put themselves in such a hole that even their late comeback where they seemed to get some momentum going was never going to result in anything. It was an ugly, ugly game at the Bell Center. Arturi Lekkinen's return was heartwarming. Maybe the first time a goal has ever been cheered that loudly for an opposing player at the Bell Center. He had two in that game, set a new career high in goals, and then because everyone tangently tied to the Canadian Stanley Cup final team, he broke his finger and is out four to six weeks. If you are a player who has played for the Montreal Canadiens in the last 18 months, please contact your lawyer. You're probably due financial compensation at this point for your injuries. Not a good game. Rem Pitlick got banged up, had to be helped off, did not come back, went to the hospital, traveled with the team. The Rocket, they did not call up anybody from the Rocket for the game against Pittsburgh. They traveled to Pittsburgh after that game against Colorado. And they all spoke about the need to get right. 
that having egg on their face was not how they wanted to end that homestand. Losing seven games in a row is tough on players. It's hard to talk competitive people out of winning games. And they went into the Pittsburgh game, and I'm like, okay, they can complete the series sweep, the season sweep over the Penguins tonight. Let's see what happens. And the Penguins scored 18 seconds into the game. And then they scored shortly after that. And it was 2 nothing. And I was writing the show description. I was writing the rating the tank article for Eyes on the Prize, ready to just pour a double of bourbon and watch the rest of this game in peace. And then something weird happened. Tristan Jari, the starting goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins, suddenly forgot how to stop a single puck that was directed in his direction, for lack of a better phrase there. That played out a lot better in my head. Mike Hoffman scores to make it 2-1. Jesse Olinen rips one bar down from the point. Denis Gurionov from behind the net. Alex Belzeal feeds him. Gurionov goes skate to stick to backhand to roof of the net. And then Joel Edmondson, before the first intermission, makes it 4-2. And then the Canadians went up, and they blew the lead. They gave up two goals. The power play, again, terrible. It's operating at what might be close to 55% right now during their last eight games. It's not good. The Penguins' only offense truly came from that. And then then the Canadians, against Casey DeSmith, who replaced uh, Tristan Jari, Found a bit of luck, and this came from Justin Barron, who had a cracker of a game in this one. He sent a saucer pass diagonally through the neutral zone and hit Anthony Richard in stride. Not an easy thing to do since Anthony Richard might be the fastest guy on the Canadians this year. Maybe save Denis Gurionov. And as Richard breaks in, he just roofs one by Casey DeSmith. It is 5-4, and then the Canadians, they are holding on. They are holding on. They are holding on. They are they're the Homer Simpson against Dredrick Tatum, just getting beat up. And then the talking cactus says, you got to take a punch. And with the net empty, Josh Anderson makes it 21 goals on the season with an empty netter to seal the win. This game was terrible for the tank all across the board. Got They earned two points in regulation. The Flyers lost, and we're going to talk about that but at the same time, there's importance in winning games. If you score four or five or six goals in a game, you should win. The Canadians got good goaltending for the most part. Samuel Montembeau made 38 saves, I believe. The Penguins got approximately negative zero goaltending from Tristan Jari, and it cost them likely the game, even though Casey DeSmith will take the loss despite only allowing two goals. Hockey's a funny thing. I'm not even going to look at the deserved to win a meter just because I assume it's like 85% Penguins. And I'm not going to look at the stats because it was not a good game. The Canadians were on a back-to-back. The Penguins were rested in this game. And they were 7-1-1 in their last nine games. They were playing well coming into this, but the Canadians took advantage of where the Penguins were weakest. Their defensive group minus Chris Letang and their line where Jeff Carter is some for some reason playing as much as he did. And then they got to their goaltender. They were an advantageous, sneaky team tonight. It wasn't pretty. It was an ugly game. Beautiful goals, mind you. Every goal the Canadians scored, save for Anderson's empty netter, got progressively better looking as the game went on. 
Samuel Montembeau had a real strong start. His stats aren't going to reflect that, but without him, the Penguins might have won that game 6-0 or worse. A get-right game is important, as is getting points in the tank here. And I, I do want to make it clear that you can cheer for this team and be happy when they win games. That's perfectly fine. However, it's also understandable why we want the team to lose. And we're going to get into where what the tank standings look like and how the Canadians can kind of get themselves back in order. And that's all coming up next. But first, as we said, today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. And with the midway point of the NBA season come and gone, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And you want to know why? Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's one and three zeros. And that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained in any game. And if you're feeling real lucky that night, you can combine all of those for a chance at a bigger payout in a same-game parlay. All you got to do right now to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. And remember, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NBA and us here at Locked On. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. And as always, please bet responsibly. We're going to shift things into tank mode a little bit here. And what, you know, the season holds for the Montreal Canadiens going forward after this game. When I'm recording this, the biggest game still going on is the Arizona Coyotes and the Calgary Flames puck drop at 10 p.m. I'm recording this. It is 9.58 p.m., so that will definitely have a change of things here. However, as I look at the recent run of Canadians' form here, they've won one game. They are 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10 played. I have Tankathon pulled up behind me. They currently have the seventh best odds at First overall pick, Philadelphia lost 5-3 to the Vegas Golden Knights in regulation. So Montreal with two points, 60 total, jumps ahead of both of those teams into seventh place. If Arizona takes a point, Montreal can potentially, Philadelphia will move back down. Montreal will probably move into the sixth spot, Arizona into the seventh spot there. All is not lost, mind you, and yes, Top five was great because better chance at a player like an Oliver Moore, a Maytev, Mitchkov, etc. And seven kind of makes things a little bit more foggy. And the big issue is that the Florida Panthers continue to win. They sit in the 15th spot right now. They are adding no points to the Canadians' chance at first overall. But all is not lost. I don't think the Canadians were ever going to catch San Jose, Columbus, or Chicago. Those teams are too bad, too poopy, too awful, and too far down the tank scores here. Columbus has 47 points. San Jose and Chicago have 50 apiece. Chicago, last I checked, was beating the Bruins 1-0, which uh, great for the tank. The Canadians, however, still have a chance of catching Anaheim, and they can definitely fall behind uh, Arizona and Philadelphia because as I look at the remaining strength of schedule after tonight, The Canadians have 14 games left. In those games, two against the Bruins, one against the Hurricanes, one against the Leafs, 
two against the Lightning, two against the Panthers, one against the Sabres, one against the Red Wings, one against the Capitals, and then one against the Flyers, and one against the Blue Jackets. The teams that they are chasing right now, Arizona, Anaheim, and where did Philadelphia go here? Are all much further down. The Canadians have the fourth hardest remaining schedule. Arizona is 25th. Anaheim is 24th. And the Philadelphia Flyers are 20th. On Philadelphia's schedule, they have Columbus, Chicago, the Habs, the Blues, the Senators, and the Red Wings. Arizona has the Sharks, the Blackhawks, the Ducks, two games against the Canucks, and tonight's game against Calgary. And Anaheim has Columbus, Arizona, two games against the Canucks, one game against the Blues, two games against the Flames, and one game against the Islanders. The Canadians' easiest two games are against other lottery teams. Washington pumped this team for nine goals. The Red Wings are trying to make a late-season playoff push. The Sabres are trying to make a playoff push. And the Panthers are desperately fighting for their playoff lives, too. Those are their easiest opponents. Two games against the Bruins, one against the Hurricanes, one against the Leafs, and two against Tampa. All playoff teams, all trying to secure their spot in the playoff push here. The Habs are going to lose those games. Unless Toronto decides they're going to go full Toronto, which point, LOL, you can't help but laugh at that. It's not an easy ride to the finish for the Canadians, which is also why I'm not fretting this game right now. The Habs won against Pittsburgh, but I'd rather they get off that losing streak and get a little bit of confidence so they can keep these games respectable like they did going into the trade deadline and coming into the new year. They played hard in a bunch of these games. If you lose to the Bruins by one goal in regulation, congratulations. You still lost, but it was respectable. I don't want to see games where they lose 8-4 to the Avalanche because no one looked good in that game coming out of it. Yeah, there were a few milestones here and there, but the team as a whole looked decimated and looked lost, kind of like they did last year under Dominique Ducharme and then after the trade deadline when they were just trying to get to the finish line here. I know everyone's worried about the tank and this and that. I'm not going to worry about it when their schedule's that tough. And for other things, they're Florida sitting right in the middle in terms of strength of schedule remaining. They have one game against Carolina, one game against the Devils, three against Toronto, and one against the Rangers. And then they're easy, they're easy opponents, according to Tankathon. Blue Jackets, Flyers, two against the Habs, one against the Caps, one against the Red Wings, two against the Senators. There's a lot of potential stumbling box there, too, to have Florida drop in the standings, especially if Sergei Bobrovsky reverts even slightly from being a Vesna-caliber goalie here. I get that everyone wants the team to lose. Winning the odd game here when your schedule is this brutal isn't uh, shouldn't be seen as, oh, well, they're not going to get Bedard. I didn't think they were going to get Bedard anyways. They won too many games early on when they were healthy and getting some goaltending. Everything's regressing to the mean a little bit here. Now they're going to be fine. And you know what? The aim should have always been in the bottom five. They were better than teams like Chicago who actively sold off everything. San Jose, who was clearly selling off everything. Anaheim, who was selling off everything. Columbus kind of suffered the Canadian side of things where they just got injured to hell and back and just could not recover. They were never going to catch those teams when they were down way down in the standings to start the year. 
I don't want to take away people's joy from the draft lottery because I love draft prospects. Don't get me wrong. But you got to celebrate the little victories here or the season's going to just chew you up and spit you out because there's still another season of pain ahead. Next year is going to be a tough one too. There will be progress, but it's still going to be a tough season ahead, I would think. But there is potential prospect news coming up here in the near future. So if you're looking for a reason to get excited and you don't want to just watch the Canadians all the time, though you might want to tune in for some of this, there is prospect news and that's all coming up in a second. But first, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you want a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, and you got to try Built Bar. It is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar because it is covered in 100% real chocolate. No, I'm not lying to you. 100% real chocolate, and it comes in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. There is something for everyone, and there's always a good time for a Built Bar. I take them in the morning to work. Give me that energy boost that I need. Midday, when I feel in the stomach rumbles and lunch is still a little ways off, Built Bar is there for me, packed with great macros, including 17 grams of protein in every single bar. And guess what? If you don't want to order online, which you can at built.com, build your own box, get it shipped right to your doorstep. You can go to your local Sam's Club or Walmart and pick them up there as well. Four packs at Walmart, eight packs at Sam's Club. There is something for everybody, and Built Bar is always there when you need it. So, folks, don't just take my word for it. If you listen to this podcast, you know how much we love Built Bar. Get down to your local Sam's Club, Walmart, or Built.com and give Built Bar a shot today. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. We are going to be wrapping up this episode here. I do want to tease our next episode, which we will be recording Wednesday afternoon, the day you are listening to this. Patrick Bexell is taking some time out of his day. We're going to be talking Swedish prospects. We're going to talk Adam Engstrom, Emil Heinemann, Tony Sund, and others. Plus, the week after that, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk Axel Sandin, Pelika, and other draft prospects from the European side of things because Patrick is, as always, our European correspondent at Habs Eyes on the Prize and your guy in Europe for all the stuff you need on Twitter. You can follow him at Zeb underscore Habs. You're not going to want to miss out on this. I do have to steal a slight bit of his thunder, though, before this because he dropped the big news that Emil Heinemann's Lexan team lost their three-game series to Adam Engstrom and Tony Sun's Rogel BK in the SHL playoffs. Patrick is under the impression that Emil Heineman will now probably take a couple days, locker clean out meetings with coaching ownership in Sweden, and then we'll head to the Laval rocket for the rest of the season here. Kind of like Jesse Olinen did in what was unfortunately the pandemic year. So we did not get to see him in the pl- play for the rocket, even though he was with the team at that point in time. And the timelines are actually very similar because it's around this time that everything went and shut down three years ago at this point. Doesn't matter. Anyways, Heinemann joining the Rocket is a ton of fun. We will talk to Patrick more in depth about Heinemann's skill set, where he can improve, and what fans can expect. Going off of what I watched in person at the prospect tournament in Buffalo and in the preseason, Heinemann's going to help. I think the biggest issue right now is that the Rocket power play is lacking a true surefire shooter on it. Anthony Richard has been recalled. Yes, Yolan has been recalled. Rafael Harvey Pinard has been recalled. Alex Belzeal has been recalled. Justin Barron has been recalled. They are lacking a true shooting threat 
really in their offense as a whole right now. And Emil Heineman, who has a heavy shot, can utilize that well, will help in that regard if he were to come over. And I think that's a big boost for the Rocket, who are very much fighting for their playoff lives. The day you were listening to this, they play in Rochester, a huge game, because as of right now, I believe those two teams are the 4-5 seed in the AHL North Division. They would square off in a play-in best-of-three round, which always intense. Uh, Every game between these two sides has been crazy this year. I would like to see Heidemann there. I don't think he will be the prospect to join. I think he might be in prospect joining, but that's okay. That's completely fine. The other news was, and this came from, I believe it was Mitch Melnick was on TSN 690. Habs link had the tweet here on Twitter. It's expected that Jaden Struble will have his entry-level contract announced in the near future, if not today. As of right now, as I am scrolling Twitter to make sure I am not missing anything, it does not look like that has happened quite yet today. That's perfectly fine. There's no rush to get Struble in the lineup now that uh, Justin Barron is back healthy. I do want to see this, though. And I I do think the fact that someone, Melnick, is a respected radio personality, is a guy who is not just pulling stuff out of his butt is plugged in enough that, and I think everyone knew this with how much Kent Hughes loves the uh, the Northeastern part of the NCA, whether that be Hockey East or the ECAC or whatever. I think Struble will be signed to a contract here. If I'm looking, I just want to take a look at the Habs schedule here to see the next time they are at home. And they are in Florida on Thursday, and they return home next Tuesday. I would not be shocked if Jaden Struble's contract is done sometime tomorrow and he joins the team back in Montreal. It gives him time to get there. I don't think he's going to be flying down to Florida to meet the team. I would expect this contract to be done by the weekend. And it's just another body. It's And that's a good thing because Lord knows they could use them. Jordan Harris hasn't played this week. I'm sure Joel Edmondson and David Savard are playing banged up at this point. I'm sure, well, everyone is playing banged up at this point, but it's an exciting bit to see what Struble can do. Uh, David St. Louis thinks that with his physical traits, he could have a bigger impact than Jordan Harris has had so far. That is not to disparage Harris, who I believe, and we both think is a much smarter overall player, but Struble has physical gifts that Harris does not possess. And I think that's a huge, huge opportunity for the Canadians or he might go to the Rocket too, which also perfectly fine because presents a nice, mobile, offensively-minded option, even if the points weren't there. I talked about this in our Monday episode. There's no real bad situation for him. I I am curious to see what other prospect news starts loading in here. Uh, I know the Rocket also signed someone to an entry – not an entry-level deal, an AHL um, – an amateur tryout. Uh, a Louis Boudon, who is actually French, he played. He's from Grenoble, played four years at Lake Superior State, and if that sounds familiar, Lake Superior State was home to the infamous Habs pick of Arvid Henriksen, now San Jose Sharks. In the four years there, Boudon put up 27 points in 40 games, 19 points in 27 games, 44 points in 36 games, and 24 points in 36 games. Lake Superior State was not a very good hockey school captained them for two years 
still put up pretty decent numbers across the board in uh for the NCA in 139 games, 114 points, 0.82 points per game, plus 24, 85 total penalty minutes. There are worse guys to take a shot on uh, if you're the Rocket right now. They did it with Lucas Condotta last year, and that's paying off dividends this year. I would not be shocked that if Boudon impresses, he earns an AHL contract out of this. He's 24, so he's a little bit older, but it's nice to add another body after they added Nolan Yuremko as well. They need they need bodies just for this stretch there. They're, they're real thin. Mitchell Stevens and Joel Teasdale have been doing absolute yeoman's work on that. If Pitlick were out, either one of them would have been worthy of a recall, and I'm still hoping Joel Teasdale gets his NHL game this year. He's more than earned that. Uh, on the injury front, Kevin Poulin is out indefinitely. Brandon Jiniak is week-to-week. Xavier Simino is traveling with the team. It is unclear he will play against Rochester, but... Time will tell on that. They do play Wednesday night. As I said, we will have a game. We will have an episode with Patrick Bexell at Zeb underscore Habs on Thursday for y'all. So, and then I will probably touch on the Rocket and the next Habs game going into the weekend and our Friday mailbag episode as well, folks. As always, it has been a pleasure. I have been your host. I am Scott Matla. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Matla. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Canadians. Subscribe wherever you get your daily podcast on YouTube. Make sure you ring the bell to get notified every time we post a brand new episode. Folks, I will see you next time.